All right, we're live. I'm here with Jessica. I'm not going to call you evil because I know you're not evil. I know. I know you're not. So, Jessica, I, gosh, welcome, man. Thanks for coming on. We've been trying to arrange this for what, like two, three weeks now, I think. A, a little while now. We yeah. definitely have. But I, I realized the difference of now being a West Coaster to compared to being like in the Midwest and the time change, like how much different. It's a completely different world almost. Yeah. Every time I try to do something, I'm doing stuff now with Bellator as far as like their uh, – commentary stuff and everyone there is located on the east coast and so mm -hmm. i get emails at like five in the morning i'm like oh i know it, it's, too, <laughs> it's too much for me i'm like you guys like i'm not i'm not in the same time zone yeah you, but now i'm on your time zone and we're and we're talking finally. yeah 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 so um so i was where do you do your camps at so i've been with strong style okay. um for the past 13 years so from day one i started yeah. there um till just most recently, um, before the Singapore fight, um, I actually fought Jesse Jess. Um, I made the decision that me and my uh, longtime head coach um, had an, a disagreement and couldn't really agree to disagree. And yeah. um, I just felt like I needed to train differently. You know, I felt like the old school style is not working for for me. And that's just like the grinding and, you know, I'm older in this sport. Like it's more about technical and skill. So, um, I made the decision to leave and then, um, you know, was trying to find my way out to the UFC PI. So now I'm at the UFC PI and I'm doing um, some of my work with Eric Nixick over at Extreme Couture. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's a good, that's a good little camp. They've got a, quite a few girls there as well. Yeah. You know, I, I'm more excited to work with Eric and uh -huh. I'm not really necessarily the, the girls are, you know, always a bonus, but uh -huh. I've not trained with girls my entire career. So to, have a little bit is is you know always a bonus but yeah. i'm really excited to work with gray and eric um yeah gray's gonna take over all my wrestling um and i love it because he's that midwest style wrestling and it's totally you know what i've started to do the past two years of my career when i made the switch back to 25 yeah. and so him and him and eric are like you know why i'm why i'm going there you're talking about gray maynard yep one yep. of my one of my closest and dearest friends probably one of the greatest guys i've ever been around I swear to God. He's awesome. You know, when, when Greg Maynard tells you you're strong as fuck, you believe it. Because he definitely, the first day, like, you know, because always when you're training with someone new and like, I just kind of came out of the, you know, blue and I was like, hey, um, I have a title fight. Would you coach me? I know you don't even really know me. Yeah. I mean, I know we're from like the same area, but uh, with something you're interested to do. And he's like, all right, let's get on the mats. Let's see what you got. And he was super excited about it. And he's like, all right, we've, we've got a, we've got a lot to work with here. He's absolutely amazing. I got to tell you, he trained with me for three years at AKA. I didn't even sniff one fucking takedown on him. I couldn't even get to his fucking <laughs> leg. I was so mad. I swear oh, to yeah. God, it's it's so humbling to deal with someone who is such a good wrestler. And I'm like, man, it's horrible, man. It's so horrible. But his so application, right? Like, it's one thing to, like, have that. Like, but his application to teach, like, he's a really incredible teacher. Like, yes. I tell him all the time, like, I'm so glad I found him. I'm glad that he's, you know, helping me. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I was out there for the first uh, Khabib and Tony fight when they were supposed to fight. And then I believe Tony ended up tearing his knee that week. I was out there for that fight. And, um... I was just, I walked into Couture's. I said, hey, great, why don't we meet down there and stuff? I wanted to pick your brain on some stuff because I had a fight coming up. And um, he just showed me a couple basic things to this day I still use. You know, I just still like, I love, I just love the this simplification of everything he does. Like his whole little down block uh, mentality of making sure that he controls the arm with one arm, gives you the hip. I mean, I can That's sit here. That's totally I can what we've been going over to. Yeah. Like I'm going to have the best high C in the entire yeah. division. It's going to be great. It's so awesome. I mean, like, honestly, he, like, I, I just want to never understood that he, like once he got done, like once he decided he was going to be done fighting, he should get right into the coaching because He's a phenomenal coach. He's great with people. Everyone loves him. I have never met one person that had something bad to say about him. He's yeah. That's why I told him, I'm like, look, let's let's be world champs together. You yeah, know what I mean? like, <laughs> right. Like, let's do this. Like, I I yeah. I'd love to have him on the team. So they, it's been it's been awesome. And today we have um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and he'll be there with my uh, Jiu Jitsu coach because my Jiu Jitsu coach actually moved out here with me too. So okay, he's kind of been someone that like came in and like the two of them vibe really well together. Got it, got it. So and then, so you're when your jujitsu coach, your coach came out with you and stuff. Did you not look to find anybody else to kind of help you with the grappling as well when you move out to? You're in Vegas. 
Yeah, I know there's a big names, you know, like around here, but like it's, you know, it's the like I have to do what's comfortable for me, yeah. especially like, look, I left my camp, you know, that I've been with for 13 years. Like that was probably one of like the biggest things. Like it's almost like a divorce, right? Yeah. Like it was so many new things. Like, and Eric has been so amazing with me being like, look, I'm not really sure I want to join another team. Like I don't want to rep another team's colors or say, you know, anything like that. So I'm like, um, they've kind of made it easier for me, but yeah. like also with having Darren and my brother here, like it feels like it was like easier to make that transition over. Uh -huh. Right. And I at least had a piece of like comfort, right? Like going into this where I felt like someone actually had my back. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're in a hurting sport. Like sometimes you go into practice and crazy things happen and you need someone to be watching your back, especially, you know, when you're fighting for the world title, like everybody's going to want to test themselves against me. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. oh, if I can go up against her and I can do well. My yeah. level is good, and you know that's a that's our sport. It's the nature of it, and I'm cool with it. But like, as long as someone's watching me and kind of like, hey, you know, like, just like watch for that, you yeah. know. And said I'm not, I'm gonna try to like you know go back harder at him. So there, it, it's nice to have eyes that know you. I've always said sense. this though: when people try to compare themselves with somebody else who's getting ready for a fight, I like to always quote Allen Iverson: "We talking about practice." We talking about practice? Like no, there's nothing you should be gathering from like you did well with them in practice because in a mm -hmm. fight, uh, the fight's completely different. It doesn't make a difference. That's, who it is. that's the difference between being a high level pro yeah. and a low level amateur. Yeah, because there's there, like it's just the levels are completely. You're not even thinking about what would happen if it was a real life fight scenario or if it was a game. If we were playing basketball or or football, or whatever. We're not going at that speed. Yeah. You know, the gloves are bigger. And there's always a different mentality on game yeah. day, so. Yeah, everything um, is. I'm glad that he's here and everybody at Extreme likes him. So like, there, it's, you know, there might be a way for him to find some jobs out here too. And he's a black belt, so it's not like he doesn't have his, you know, his yeah. stuff. So how, who handles your strength and conditioning? Bo, um, actually at, at um, the PI. Mm -hmm. um, you know it is Bo Sandova? No, I don't know because I have I haven't been there since they opened that facility. Yeah, Bo. Um, so there's like five or six different like trainers, right? Uh -huh. Like, and at first, like when I came there with the PI, I was like, look, I feel like I don't have anything that's mine anymore, mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm gonna be sharing you with my opponents, and basically, like what Bo says, and like some of the other trainers, they each take the fighter that they want, right? But the way he said it to me, he goes, Jessica, there's no secrets in this sport. Yep. You know what I mean? There there really isn't, right? It's all about a matter of like how you apply your skill set. And it really kind of like resonated with me while I trained at the PI, right? Like there's other girls like JoJo is right. I mean, she's right down the street. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she's working out after I'm done working out. And that's a potential opponent. I mean, that's the girl who's willing to step in mm -hmm. if something happens to me and Valentina. So yeah. like... I really looked at it and I was like, you know what, like what secret is there, right? Like if you're going to focus on me when I'm around you, then you have a problem, right? Then yeah. I'm, then I'm actually doing my job properly because now I've got you feeling uncomfortable. So instead of feeling uncomfortable in an uncomfortable situation, I've just allowed myself to be like, you know what, like whatever, watch me. It's only going to make you hate yourself worse and make you, <laughs> make you be like, oh my God, this chick really knows what she's doing yeah. or she's working with the right people. So, you know, what's funny um, is he just most recently took it over. We've been doing a all this testing that the PI has, which is incredible because I feel bad for guys um, and the girls who retired before they had this ability, like the rehab part of it, the the skill set of like the technology that goes behind like figuring out you as an athlete. And um, the the thing that they told me, they're like, you're like a Ferrari in second gear. We need to get you to like <laughs> three, four, five, you know, get you going to the other gears. Yeah, I feel like it makes a huge difference when you have a good strength and conditioning coach that doesn't overtrain you and just doesn't beat your head against the wall. You know what I mean? Like there, there's someone who, okay, look, you're a little undertrained today okay, or overtrained today. Let's kind of dial you back. Let's get you like an active recovery. All today we're going to do is maybe walk in the in the tread pool or, you know, or walk on the treadmill, you know, something real light. It'll pick up the pace. Yeah, and, we'll drop and there's down. science behind the things that yeah. these people are doing now. You know, we're, we're so fortunate that we live in such a, a great modern years that we're able to use all this technology to find out, okay, are you an endurance athlete? Are you a grinder? You know, are like, what is your skill set and how do we maximize it? But then yeah. how do we make the things that we need to better? And I was pretty pumped. Bo, all my testing, like Bo's like, we rarely see girls in this level and like, you're a super athlete. So I'm really excited. I feel like I've spent all these years learning the MMA side, right? Of this sport. Mm -hmm. It's been my lack of 
making my athleticism better. So yeah. that's kind of what we're focused on, like is making my overall athleticism better. And that's going to make me a better fighter. Like I used to struggle with double legs, right? Because my back wasn't and my legs weren't like strong for those types of exercises. And yeah. guys like you've wrestled your whole life, right? Like you've done things like your body's just, you know, yeah. built for it. Whereas like, you know, I didn't learn to wrestle, actually wrestle until the past couple of years. And then I started developing muscles that made it better, if that makes sense. You must have been extremely sore those first couple of years of wrestling. <laughs> it's like so miserable. It's like your low back and your le your legs and your upper butt. Totally. You're like, oh, this is that the was worst the transition thing. between going back to thir from 35 to 25, right? So like that year off, whenever you know I lost my last fight at bantamweight in Cleveland, right? Like first of all, it was heartbreaking. I was like, how do I lose in my own hometown? That yeah. is my place, right? It, it was crazy. So I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and at that point I thought I was going to get cut from the UFC, you know, four losses in the four decision yeah. losses. Like they don't keep us around when you lose like that, especially when it's decision. They're like, all right, whatever, you know, but um, Dana actually called me and was like, listen, girl, you need to take a break, get your life together. I don't want to cut you. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to give you one more chance. And I was like, please give me 125. I will do anything for just one fight. I'll promise one fight at 25. Yeah. And you're going to be like, this girl, I'm sold on her, right? Like, so I ended up taking that year off. Um, I dealt with some health issues. And during that time, I really fell in love with wrestling. I met one of these young All-Americans who basically taught me the inside trip, like the, dolph the dolphin side trip. Yeah, so yeah. like, I learned it and just... It, it blew my mind. Like I fell in love with wrestling instead of not liking it. I fell in love yeah. with it. And I was like, dude, everything about wrestlers in, in college, I was like, look, these young boys are giving their lives just for wins. There's no money. There's nothing. nothing. And they inspired me. So like I wrestled, 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 wrestled. My back always hurt, but I lost all my <laughs> weight. Like I was like, wait a minute. Like I put on bad weight going to 35. I thought that going up a weight class meant like eat whatever, be, no. do all these like different things. And it actually was a disadvantage yeah. to me. So that year off, like, like, um, was, was probably the best time of my life because of that. You know, I got my weight back down, started walking lower, felt better, learned to wrestle was like, Oh, now I can punch you and wrestle you. It's off. I'm, I'm winning a world title. So people don't talk, and I'm 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 one of them. And I every once in a while I'll chime in and I'll say how I feel about Dana on the good side and the bad side. But people don't then people don't hear the side that you just talked about, you know. And I say the same thing. Like he's the person that gave me my foot in the door to get into the UFC back in in 2000. You know, so that's how long I'm. You know, I was fighting for it. But I mean, like back then he signed me when I when I was only like 21 years old, and so people don't hear those sides of the stories of Dana White. You know, all we hear is the you know, you want to be a fucking fighter and this and that. But how has your relationship been with him? And given this circumstance, he must really like you, you know? He yeah. is. I mean, I think he's a straight shooter, right? Like he's, he's from the, he's originally from the East coast. So like, I'm a straight shooter. I don't beat around the bush. Like I sometimes just blurt things out and then people are like, Oh God, jeez, did you really have to say it like that? Like, we have the same problem. <laughs> I am very upfront. I mean, why lie? You know? And just, I think that Dana likes that about me. So, um, originally um just from day one from the moment i had my ufc debut um it was he was cool with me and i was very like just face valued kind of person like yeah. what you see is kind of what you get and i think that he admires that about people right like yeah. the same person i am in front of you is the same person i'm gonna be in front of the next person or whoever right like that it's just what you get with me and he's always been a supporter of me even through the losses he would like stop me and be like what's going on girl like What's up? And I'm like, life is just outside of fighting. Is it great right now? Like I'm trying. I'm, I don't. I don't want to miss my opportunity. Um, so he's given me a number of chances that I knew that whenever I was given the the flyweight division, I knew that it was going to be my way to really prove all the things that I said all along. Number one, that I would be the best at 125. Mm -hmm. um, number two, that was the weight class that they found me in. You know, I only came up because there was just no choice. You know, Bellator cut all of us women. I won all my Bellator fights. I thought I was going to be a Bellator, you know, champ. You know, yeah. Bjorn sold me a ketchup popsicle and white gloves. Like, yeah. I thought that I was, I thought I was going to be their girl. And I was proud of that um, at that time. And then when they cut all of us, like, the UFC was like, you know, Sean Shelby had called me. Strikeforce was still, you know, working around. And they're like, hey, 
we don't have flyweight. We only have bantamweight. And I'm like, dang it. Like, yeah. I'm not that big. I can get that big if I eat, you know, yeah. and like I'm doing bad decisions. But, you know, uh, to the move up to it was just, it was such a different change. I should never have done it. But I think that, you know, I've been able to kind of show, you know, that I, I meant what I said and I said what I meant, yeah. you know, all along. Yeah, because the same thing happened to me when they got rid of the lightweight division back when I fought Eves Edwards back in the day. They got rid of the division for about four years. And Dana and and Joe Silva said, yeah, you can fight at 170. And I was like, there's no way, man. Look at me. And I mean, like, look at Matt Hughes. I'm like, fuck, you're out of your fucking mind. There's no way. These guys are animals. They're stone cold killers. But it's just the, the weight itself. I mean, those guys are walking around 200 pounds. You're going to go up just one weight class. It's a big difference. And they don't realize how mm -hmm. good people have developed at cutting weight. They've gotten so good at it. And, I mean, guys like Matt Hughes have been doing it his whole life because of wrestling. You know, you got Carlos Noon, Matt Hughes, Pat Militich, you know, all these killers. GSP had just popped onto the scene. Yeah. I'm like, no thanks, man. Those guys are enormous for the weight. So I understand. I mean, a part going of us because we're fighters, we're like, yeah, we're just going to go do it, right? Like, I can do it. And then, like, you're like, well, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not that good at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can get there because that's, like, our mentality. But the ability to to do it successfully long-term with guys that are way better. It's just too much. Well, a couple guys actually did do it. Like Rich Clemente went up and he had, he had a little bit of success, but it was, you knew you were never going to be champion given dealing with, and yeah. that's, that's so frustrating. Like, what am I who fighting wants to for? Be a gatekeeper. Yeah. Man, and no it's way. just like, who wants, and also too, like you're talking about, like you said, this is the hurt business. Like, I don't want to just go there and, and fight and get punched in the face and, you know, and, this is all before the CTE stuff. Obviously, I was thinking, and I'm, but I'm still thinking. I don't want to get mashed up, you know, for to go up one weight class to make a little bit of money. It doesn't make sense. I got lucky enough that I went to Pride, but I understand exactly what you're saying. It, the game is completely different, one weight class above or one weight class below. You know what I mean? So I, I tip my hat to you, standing your ground and doing what you need to do to get where you're at. Now look where you're at. This is insane. I know, this is crazy. Right? It's so cool. It's uh, so cool. I wouldn't go back and change it, but I like it definitely wasn't fun. The last five years have been like really crappy and pretty depressing. Um, but you know, it's crazy because it, it's, you know, hindsight, because you know, look where I am now and I'm I'm I couldn't be any happier and I'm yeah. glad it happened the way because like it made me grow up, right? Like I sacrificed a lot of my twenties for all of this and I feel like I'm finally living in my thirties and I'm happy and yeah. I'm so glad. I'm out in Vegas now. Like, it's not where I want to end. I want to end in Cali. I think I'll, I'm one step closer to yeah. it. So um, I'm just finding myself a happier person. And I think that, that that's been, you know, a huge, huge difference. Uh, Sun for Sunshine me. does happy that fighter, to you. Um, happy fighter is a smart fighter. A smart yeah. fighter um, is a winning fighter. So... The sun, the sunshine will do it to you. A little bit of sunshine makes you happy all day. You wake up, it's like, oh wow, the sun's out. <laughs> I love it, man. I feel like I'm like, listen, if you can make it in Ohio, you can make it anywhere. It's always <laughs> doom and gloom. I'm you. I have a quick, uh, another question is, um, why, why Vegas? I mean, like here, you were talking about like the Performance Institute and you're talking about being in Vegas and working with Gray and all. I understand like now that you've made a decision, like why you see all the benefits of it, but what made you make that decision? Because if you think about it, right, like given all those things, I would have thought you were, Cali is the ultimate goal is what you just said. So most people think California also, but you have, you had TJ Dillashaw being the champ out there. You had Cub Swanson was out there. Those are all people around your size at the training lab. They also have Sam Calavita, who's basically the best in the business as far as mm -hmm. fitness and endurance and just everything, right? Aaron Pico's there. I mean, Juan Archuleta's there. I mean, you got good people that train at that camp. Why did you ever think of that? place or were you thinking like alliance down in la or did you or were you always just vegas so um i've got a really great re uh, relationship with the new york crew so like ray longo sarah and all those guys for the probably 10 years now um i would always go up there for like 10 days at a time because mm -hmm. uh one of their girls jenny is a glory kickboxer so she's been my friend for years back when i was in bellator you know i would go over there and train with those guys because i would have to do appearances up there for bellator yeah um, so I created a great relationship with them and, you know, that was an option at first. I was like, you know, I went there before I made the decision to, cause at first my last two fights, I did camps on my own in wrestling room. So not being at strong style, I just went to my friends. I went to my wrestling, my new wrestling, uh, gurus and my mm -hmm. friends and who really had my back. 
And I was like, look, can um, I need to make a decision. I'm just not sure I'm ready to make one. So I went up to New York, trained there for like two weeks. I love those guys. They're absolutely incredible. But I'm done with snow. I'm done with cold. I'm done with snow. I'm done with the crazy freaking traffic. I just, I'm done with it. I, I don't want to sacrifice those things. So that was one of the decisions. The second decision was rehab, right? Like, the PI and and originally like Cali's where I want to go. I want to end in SoCal. Like I have friends out there that are in Oceanside and down to San Diego. Like I really want to end on in in that area. So I was like, well, maybe I'll go to there. But then I was like, well, then I'll go there. I have all these great training partners. But then I lose like the ability to have rehab doctors, um, facilities like that. So on, let me grab my charger because my thing's gonna die. <laughs> This look that was on one percent. Uh oh. Um, so um, you know, again, that was something that I I made the decision better for me. Like, all right, well, I love Cali, right? Like, I love the weather, I love the people, I have friends out there, but then I'm not gonna have the rehab, the free rehab aspect yeah. because I had that in Ohio, right? I had in Ohio, I had a great chiropractor, I had great doctors. If if I got hurt, I could go see them, right? Yeah. So with there were there was a lot of things to weigh in. So when I first made that or that made the final decision. I was like, if I go to the PI, my jujitsu coach is going to move with me. My brother's going to be there to help kind of be my eyes too for both of us. But then I have the trainers that they have there. And Eric Nixick had already reached out to me. I had heard some rumbles from a mutual friend that we'd had that like, Hey, I was looking for new, uh, new people right now. Like, and you know, I, I feel like my name speaks for itself. I, I am, I'm very loyal. I'm a hard worker. I'm a nice person. And I'm a kind of no BS kind of gal. So like, I think that makes, um, makes for a good report for me. So, um, those guys really tried to reach out to me a lot. And I just, it was like, you know what, Vegas, I guess Vegas is where it is because if I want to go to Cali, I can go up to Cali. It's only a drive up, you know, and I have all the things I need here. And then if I want to go there and cross train, like, um, with Daryl, Daryl had reached out to me recently who works with, you know, all those guys. So we've always been friends back and forth. And he's like, look, I got some really cool stuff. That'll beat Val, like come work. So I have the ability to go both places. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So the other thing is, let me ask you about the, uh, PI, the performance Institute for the UFC. How does that all work? It's like, free and available to contracted fighters. It's incredible. Like I literally want to, like, I want to shake every fighter back. Like, all right. As soon as I'm like, here would be like a normal day, right? I get up, have my breakfast at home, or I could go there and have my breakfast there. They would cook me whatever I want. Wow. I could get up and have whatever I want. Then say my, I get there at nine o'clock and then my training lessons at, with Bo, my strength lessons at 1030, I can go straight to that. As soon as I'm done, they have a shake, which I'll tell them what I want in my shake, right? So yeah. like post training shake, um, I would be like, all right, I want my egg white protein with almond milk and some berries. Um, yeah. And I want it 15 minutes after my training session, right? I'm wow. gonna go sit in the sauna. So as soon as I got a sauna, I'd like to have it. It's there for me. <laughs> and then I can either go to rehab and I could go, if I didn't schedule appointment, I can go into the rehab room, use the laser machines, use the Norma Tech boots, use all the, say my elbow hurts from all my striking, I can go get icing, I can get whatever I want, I can do the treatment on my own, or I can meet with a trainer that I scheduled my time with, done with rehab, I go over to the cafeteria, give them my little cardigan, get another free lunch, basically whatever I want. I can get a strip steak, I can get a sirloin, I can get a burger, I can get salmon, I can get chicken and whatever I want for my next meal. And then if I want, I can go to rehab and go sit in the hot tub and go sit in the cold tub, or I can just go hang out in one of the lounging areas until my next training session, or I can go home. Wow. So I, and I get my little fingerprint gets me in wherever I want. Um, in the entire place, like it's crazy that I don't think other UFC fighters know how much they're there to help us. Right. Like, and it's kind of hard, right? Cause the old school mentality is still there. Like, don't let anybody know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You know, like you can't be around <laughs> anybody. It's gotta be secret, secret, secret. And until I came here, I, I like, it was mind blowing to me that like, I've been living like this, like lie to myself. Like yeah. they give us everything at the PI. So it's, it's incredible. And you can video all of our training rounds. Like no matter where you go, you could put the record button. It'll record just you where you're at. That's awesome. And you can have, you can see everything you're doing. 
That's awesome. Do you think that, and I'm going to play the conspiracy theorist here. Do you think like the UFC like observes that information that you guys are filming and recording and like just to see if you're even making, like if you're Absolutely. training hard. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah like I, see I, if I you're, would, like, I would imagine they wouldn't. I mean, just, even if they're not telling me, right, at least then, hey, at least use the knowledge for something good, right? Because they do do when they do our testing stuff, they do tell you like, hey, we're just collecting data and i'm like whatever fine i mean i don't care like yeah. i'll give you good numbers i mean what, where's the <laughs> secret gonna be in it right like hopefully i'll be able to help some young girl one day when she comes in to try to beat me and yeah. you know might help her to set up a new series of fighters that's true so the what are the knocks on because <clears throat> i was i was around when randy couture first started extreme couture and Gray was there, Jay Heron was there, Tyson Griffin, you know, um, Phil Baroni, like a lot of guys were there. And I went over there a bunch of, a couple times because I was actually thinking about leaving AK for a little bit. And I was actually thinking about Vegas also, but I wasn't with the UFC, so it kind of didn't didn't make sense at the time. I was with Strike Force at the time. Right. So I was kind of like, man, what am I gonna do? You know, like, do I wanna leave? I'm in San Jose, that whole ordeal. Like the knock though was is that <clears throat> All the fighters had their own managers and their own coaches, and you're 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 sparring with these guys like daily, and you're you're grappling with them. But then you see it like you saw it with some controversy before. I want to say it was like Evan Dunham ended up fighting Gray Maynard, or it was like this weird thing where guys fought each other, but you guys train together all the time. And I know we're just talking about practice, but was that is that like something that when you see the girls across and you train with them and roll with them, do you think of things like that? Well, so yeah, and that was um, one of the decisions, like why I decided not to go with certain management companies because I've been managerless. Um, so, you know, we're going back to the Dana thing. I went and renegotiated my own contract. So keep my that new, percentage, uh, baby. Keep that percentage. <laughs> yeah, I got, but that was me, and I did that right. Like I went in there to have that conversation because I, I, I believe in myself. Like how I feel about management, management, let me do what I want to do when it comes yeah. to my career. Go find me the sponsorship dollars. Go go find that. So originally when I was looking for a new team, looking and especially why Ray Longo and those guys were good, right? Like, and I had thought about them and I knew Caitlin at the time was cross trainer, right? And this is before me and Caitlin had the most recent fight with each other. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, like I'm willing to share a lot of things. I'm willing to share my experience with people i'm willing to share things but i'm not willing to train with another girl that i'm going to fight if yeah. i've already fought her yeah we can train together but pre no i'm i just not the way i work i have um i almost need to keep that separate um yeah. so that was one of the things that helped me when i made the decision for the camp when i made the decision for management it's like look i'm you can manage other girls straw weight um, or even uh, bantamweight or even featherweight, but like if you got another flyweight, you can't you can't care about me if you have another flyweight fully there, right? Like you can't, and I and I don't expect you to because then you got to split that. So management as well as team, um, that's what kind of made this situation pretty unique. Is uh, Jesse Jess had reached out to me too, and we had uh, mm -hmm. um, fought back in Singapore. So she had reached out to me, had heard a little bit from Eric, was like, hey, I'm moving up to Bantamweight, Jess. I would love to be your training partner. We've already fought. There's no flyweights here at Extreme. Um, you know, let's let's make a, an alliance here, you know? So to me, that was when I was like, all right, I'll do that. So I won't train with any other girl that's a flyweight that's in the UFC. If she's in Bellator yeah. or in Glory, absolutely. But if she's in, in the UFC just for right now, for only, you know, for myself and for them, because I'm going to be mean and I don't want to put myself in a position where I have to be a jerk. I don't have to put them in a position where they're dealing with the wrong version of me. Yeah, this is this is the moment in your career. And I, I've said this, I don't know how many times this is the, the moment in your career. You need to be selfish. You know, you're that one step away. What is it? June 8th? Is what your date is? Yes. You're one step away from becoming the world champion. This needs to be nothing but you. Nothing, anything you do. I've been really be guilty you. in past years. Like, even with all of the guys that I've helped bring up at Strong Style and stuff, like all those 25ers, there's a lot of 25ers at that camp. And I felt like I had a lot to do with that. And I felt like that was a point of one of the, the disagreements is like, again, I feel like I'm always there to help everybody else. Um, yeah. And it was just. It wasn't fair. I was always putting myself second to everybody else there because I was kind of like the, the, I was the big sister, you know, yeah. there. Like I took all those guys under my wings. I was a female. I was successful. So like everybody looked at me like, dude, she works harder than most guys. Like, 
So this was the first time ever in my life, even the last two times that I've ever like put myself first and made, I don't know, things for just, it was about Jessica and the right people have been like, don't worry, girl. Like, you're right. It is about you. Yeah. You got it. And I'm like, stop doing that. Now yeah. I feel selfish. Well, but no, it's, I, it... I, I do. I know I have to. And I'm learning how to do that because it's not my nature. It's a very, um, I, I try Everyone, I think everyone should understand that fighting is a very selfish business. You know, when it comes down to achieving your goals and what your goals are set to be, obviously, I think everyone's goal is to become world champion. You know, and this is your opportunity, and you're not about to try to let it slip away because you don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings. So I understand completely where you're coming from. You know, like, and you know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you have, um, if you have a, a boyfriend or anything like that, but I'm saying simply like it's just that it. It's, it's hard, than, right? And it is. As a female being in this sport, trying to have a boyfriend? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> because half the time I'm like, I don't know if I want to date. Like, I have a rule. Like, I've dated one fighter. Like, it's hard to date other guy fighters, right? Yep. Especially if you're bigger than them. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely harder. Because my ex-boyfriend was not, he was a local guy. Like, uh... it's too hard to date. So, like, he, it, it's like, it's hard, right? Like, for other people. Because, number one, it's selfish. Um, number one, your, your time and the way that things are spent, it's hard, right? And you either find someone who's willing to come along with the ride and understand it, or they don't, you know? Like, you either hop on the bandwagon or get off of it, because yeah. it's going. Let me ask you um, your take on, you see all these interim titles coming up. What's your take on that whole scenario? Should they be dialing them back a little bit, or should they be, should they continue to allow them to keep going? I think interim titles are great when, the, when a champ is hurt. So if a yeah. champ is hurt, right, and I think that it's not fair, right? Like, say, if a champ gets hurt in their first maybe title defense, like within that camp time, right, I think that that's when um, they should get one more chance to get their self together. If something happens again the next time, then an interim should happen, right? Like, you should always get one one chance, right? Like, one chance for something to happen where the yeah. fight has to be rescheduled before an interim is started. Because I don't want the, I don't think divisions deserve to have to wait for it. Yeah. Um, and that's a way to kind of keep the division developing. But just to throw it out there, to throw it out there, I don't think it's fair. Like, I think the way that they did the Whitaker situation was was the right way to do it, right? He was injured, right? Like, give him another chance to get himself together. And then if something happens, then let's put in him up and, you know, keep it going. Yeah, they. I think I also sh should rely on how long they're injured for. If someone tears the ACL, they're gonna be out for a year. I think you start the interim champ maybe like say five months in or six months in. You get let someone fight for Correct. an interim title. You know, I think that's the way to do it. But that's one of those situations depending on the severity of it. You yeah, know, like if you just got hurt, Mike and twisted your ankle and your ankle swollen or whatever, like that's you know only a couple weeks. You know, keep yeah. it going. But if you're gonna be out on a year long injury, then yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the next thing I was going to ask you was, um, this next thing on like money fights, I, I haven't seen quite that the girls are at that stage yet. Like as far as demanding, like, Hey, I want the big fight. Cause we're still trying to get the, the weight classes settled on who the champion is. And I think, I think the women are killing it right now. You guys, I think honestly, outside of like, you guys have, you know, I feel I always, I'm a little biased because the 55 pounders is my weight class, but the 55 pound division is kind of holding the UFC. And then along with the girls, you guys are all kind of holding that thing together. You know, the other, everything else seems to be kind of a mess right now. But, um, what, what I was trying to get at was, is that where, where, how do you feel about the, the, yeah, the money parts? Like, how do you feel about the potential of maybe I going back that, up after you know, Rhonda got the money fights, right? Rhonda yeah. got the money fights because she was a beginner. I think we're still in a developing stage. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe I'm slightly biased um in, in this way. I think I'm the girl that can do that. And I think I'm gonna be like um the kind of girl that shows consistency. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's been one of the biggest issues right now with the women's fight and why the big money fights aren't happening is the lack of con consistency. Because look, Nunez is just out there kicking everybody's ass, right? So yeah. she's like disrupting the featherweight division. I mean, she's out there, you know, there. So I, I think that as the divisions continuously like live on their own, you'll see that. Um, but I think that what will happen is um, it's just never going to be how, like, anytime a woman in, in this world, right? And we still have to remember, like, how society has just breeded m uh, men and women, right? They don't want a loudmouth female mm -hmm. 
in 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 the world, right? In sports, right? Because then they're just gonna hate her, right? Like they're they expect you're a champion to, uh, especially a female champion, to have a certain kind of poise to her, right? Like they want her to be a lady, they want her to be somewhat of a badass, but they want her to have an edge, but they don't want her to be too much, you know, more loud than the guy is are. So I think that the women right now, especially in you know athleticism and in, in, in our sport, is they're still the developing an identity, mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of what I've always like, you know, my nickname, my. My nickname is evil when i fight i'm evil when it comes to the fight business i'm evil outside of it i'm a lady and i have respect for myself mm -hmm. and i have um a way i carry myself um that's consistent overall i think that we're still kind of learning that with the women like sometimes you're like all right am i gonna play the bad guy am i gonna play the good girl am i gonna play the sweet girl yeah. that it's it's kind of all over the place in that way so i think that that's what's causing the inconsistency with the money fights right like are you giving the money fight because she's good or because she's you know, bringing something else to take sexuality or loudmouth. Yeah. So there's not really, I don't think they're there yet because I don't think society knows what they want with us, right? They want us to be badass chicks, but then they're like, if she's too loudmouth, they're like, I don't like her. She mm -hmm. thinks she's all that. And then you'll get the one where like, oh, I like her. She's confident. She speaks with, um, you know, poise and confidence. So I think that we're still in the developing stages of that. Let me, I'm going to ask you uh, about two fights, two girl fights, not in your weight class, but I want to ask you what you were doing, what you were thinking when it all happened. Was the Rose and Joanna first fight? What was going through your mind? Where were you at? Do you remember that moment? I don't really remember that moment. I feel like I, the moment I remember the most is when uh, Ronda fought in strike force um, against, was it uh, Kaufman, right, first? The first fight was Kaufman and... Okay. Resident and, and Strike Force, those two were. I want to say that was it because that was my last like local MMA fight. Yeah. And the UF or Bellator had cut me. So I'm like, man, if the girls are in Strike Force and yeah. UFC was working with Strike Force, like we're going to be there. So I, I remember that one more than I do any of the others. Okay. I, you just talked about, uh, what's it called? Amanda Nunez and then the Cyborg fight. What about that? What did you like? I what was going through Nunez. your mind when that fight happened? I bet on Nunez. I bet on Nunez, man. That night, this is the first time I've ever bet on a fight and I won money. I was super pumped about it. I was like, Ooh, that's sweet. Um, yeah, you know, I, I really knew that going to the fight because I remember watching Cyborg getting taken down. I think it was by Yana. Mm -hmm. I knew that with certain feints, and I knew that Nunez has a really good feinting style. But also um, that straight right hand, the way she throws it, she kind of throws it straight and at the last minute. She just like turns it over mm -hmm. where like she hits the knuckles. Um, I just, Nunez is a really good fighter. She's not the bigger fighter, but she knows how to gauge the situation right. And I think that we're going to start seeing more women like that come out in, that, in, in our sport that that um, maybe aren't the biggest ones, but know how to use the fighting ability. I think Cyborg, um, as great as she is, she's been able to use her strength as her asset and not her um, MMA ability, right? She's always been able to utilize that. And I think Nunez had just a better skill set that time. Got it. So let's talk about Valentina and the things that you're kind of, here we go. We're talking, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting, I can tell it's, it's right around the corner. I'm trying to tell you it's right there. You don't realize it's right there. Um, like I know, I, I know, I know it is. That's what made me when I, when I, after the December fight is when, um, I was like, oh man, guys, I like literally sat down with all my friends and I'm like, dude, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. It's going to happen. We're going to get the call in, in a couple of weeks. I know, it. I know, I know it. Cause I had asked Dana after the second win at 25, when I went to his office to renegotiate, I was like, I want the title shot. And he laughed. I said, I'm serious. I, I want the title. I want the title shot. He goes, Jess, I, you know, like. You're still low on the totem pole. You know, yeah, basically yeah. you're eight, nine, ten. I'm like, you always give people fights. It doesn't matter what their ranking is. He was like, ah, you're kind of right. But uh, I'm like, last fight my contract. Like, let's go. Let's come on. Let's let's just do it. I promise. I promise you won't regret it. And he was like, one more. And I was like, you did this to me before. I was like, I lost it. No. So he's like, one more. So I was like, all right, fine. One more. So we fight Caitlin. And then that's when I knew it was going to happen. Um, so I was like, I I got to go. Like, I got to make a decision. I can't do a camp in a wrestling room again. I can't, right? Like, my my ability, I wasn't at the best I could be 
skill set wise or in athletic wise going into the Kaylin fight, but my mindset was right, right? Like I knew that no matter what I said, I told myself, and you could see it in that fight. I said, just guy, you keep your hands up and you push forward and you give her the meanest look you can, you'll win that fight. And you'll hit her everything with everything you got, you're going to hit her with. And that's how that fight went, you know? Yeah. So I got the call probably a week after that Dana was basically like, MMA gods were good to you. You're the number one <laughs> contender. And I was like, yes. Uh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got the call. And actually, I've had an issue the last couple of times. I think it's because I'm just a wild. I'm wild. Um, I always stick my tongue out. And I'm always, like, biting my lip because like, I want to hit someone hard. So the last three fights, I bit through my lip, like, severely bad. Like, I bit it down uh. that through my mouthpiece. Like, completely bit through the mouthpiece. Wow. Ended up having to get seven stitches and knocking my front two teeth loose. <laughs> Oof. So um, I we had to deal with that. So we ended up getting my lip stitched that night. But then they put me on a 30-day suspension. And they were like, look, we're either going to have to splint your two front teeth. They might die. Right? And I'm like, oh, man, dude, I got a nice smile. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want my teeth to die. Um, but they're like, if you give yourself some time and rest, don't get hit in the face. Don't clench your jaw. Like, give your mouth a break. For 30 days. That means no talking. <laughs> huh? That means that means no talking. <laughs> and it's so hard for me because I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like always excited. So um, I they, they call or Mick calls me and he's like, hey, will you fight Valentina February 22nd in, I don't know, it was like Czechoslovakia or Russia or somewhere. I don't even know one of those places. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, this is the call I've been waiting for. Yeah. Like, this is all that I've ever wanted. I can't, Mick. You know I'm on a 30-day suspension. My teeth are messed up. Like, yeah. I can still wiggle them. And I literally oh. sent him a video. I was like, see? Look, I got <laughs> my teeth. He was like, so, well, Jess, you know, we'll have to give the fight to somebody else. I'm like, who are you going to give it to? Who else are you going to give it to? The division that's done what I've done. I mean, and let's face it. I fought the top three girls in the division. Yeah. Valentina's fought in 15-pounders or some girl that just started fighting a year ago from Brazil. <laughs> Like, like, that's not fair. Yeah. No, please. And I literally begged. And then I was like, you know what? Fine. If you got to give it. And he was like, so you really can't. And I think that they were trying to like, you know, see yeah. what I was willing to, you know, give her on. At this point, I hadn't signed with management. I was still speaking for myself. Um, and, you know, the management tones in that way. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mick. Like, I really don't want to like. What am I going to do? Get halfway through this camp and I have to pull out because my teeth, I went right back into yeah. sparring and my teeth have infections in them. Like, I think that's one of the things that most people don't know about fighting. Like, I've lost five teeth in the probably f past couple of years from wow. fighting, right? Like, cracked teeth. You wow. know what I mean? Especially sparring with guys and stuff like that. My teeth have been cracked. So, he's like, all right, we're going to give it to somebody else. So, I'm like, literally for like 24 hours, I'm just like, ah. Oh. Everyone's like, are you all right? Are you all right? And I'm like, it's just, you know, it's whatever. It's in God's hands. It's going to yeah. have to be how it is. So um, two days later, Mick texts me and he's like, we we found another main event. And I was like, well, you know, sucks. I'm sorry. I would have taken it, but I just, I couldn't. Like, I wouldn't have been the best. He's like, no, no, you misunderstood me. We we scheduled a whole different set of guys. You're good. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, yes, thank God. Literally, like, started like damn near tearing up. I was like, yes. I'm like, I'm, I'm, well, I'm back to training at this point. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna be back to training in a couple days. Like, we're good. I got my release from the doctor. They send it over. So I was like, oh man. So then, um, I seen an article where her management basically was like, just guy turned down the fight because she wanted to get new teeth, which, you know, people spin things. And I don't know if he's got a language barrier because I didn't get new teeth. Um, that wasn't what was happening. Yeah. I was on a suspension still anyway. So, um, yeah, I went, hey, Valentina, let's get bloody in the Midwest on yeah. Twitter, right? Like, so I did the normal fighter thing, go to Twitter to see if I can get them behind me. <laughs> and I was like, uh Let's, you know, let's get bloody in the Midwest. And two days later, I got a text saying, hey, you want to fight Valentina June 8th in Chicago? Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the Midwest. So, um, yeah, that uh, that's kind of how it ended up happening. And at that point, too, I was like, w when I got that phone call, I was moved to Vegas in two weeks. 
Wow. Even though it's been easy, it seems like it's worked for you. It's, but that call right there, it's it's hard to be the manager, the fighter, and to to relate between the matchmaker and you and having us to lose that. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. And it's probably the woman in me, right? Like, cause I like to control things. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't mind it. Right. Because like, as soon as I don't know something, like I'm just, that's my personality. Like I'm cool. You could tell me the most disappointing thing in the world. So I know, right. Mm -hmm. As long as I know, and I don't got to find out from somebody else, I'm good. So I think that that was something that like, I didn't mind. I didn't get stressed out. And I think that yeah. I could have a good poker face. I think that's why Dana respected me, right? I spoke for myself. You know what it boils down to? If I can't speak for myself, I can't teach anybody to speak for me. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's, that's a process, you know, right? That's why it's hard with management, right? You assign these management that really don't know you and they try to, you know, like it's, it's gotta be together. And, you know, recently when I signed with Paradigm, um, we're in a working relationship now where we're getting to know each other, you know, yeah. we're getting to know each other and I'm allowing them to take some of these phone calls now, which is a huge step for me because, you know, my old manager that me and Stipe originally had for years because we were in the same camp for so long and yeah. our management and everything was the same, you know, he kind of um, did some shady stuff. So I went manager list for a while and I was prepared to do it. <laughs> forever um it just it got like a lot of things started happening i just couldn't manage yeah. my schedule by myself well i feel like I, i've always felt i felt this way once the reebok deal came in there's no there's no reason for a manager there's absolutely none i mean sure you can maybe get another couple thousand dollars out of the ufc if they were to push on it but why why do that and ruin your relationship they, they know that there's a they already have like a set guideline of what they're willing to pay for their fighters at depending on where you're at in the rankings they know and once they know that they just try to keep it within that those guidelines and if you argue for another two or three or five thousand dollars that's fine but then those bonuses don't expect to get them as often because you gave them such a hard time there's no reason for it you know and then once the rebound deal totally came with in you on that and it's been it's been an issue and i and i we we're still working through some of those things but i i agree with that i don't my fight purse money should be going to my boys and my boys are the guys that train yeah. me and the ones who do that. They're the ones who should make that money. If you want to make more money, go get me to sponsors, go sell, go sell me to other people, right? Yeah. Like go make, go make that money because they're not getting that money. You no. are. Yeah. Go get me a movie deal. Go get me those kinds of things. That's what I, in my mind as a management is. Yeah. And I think that that's the difference between being a female and even a guy, right? Like sometimes the guys and no offense to you, they're a little less involved, right? Like they like for someone to be like, hey, this is what your plan is for the day. This is where you got to be like, they they need managed a little bit more. I yes, get annoyed by that. I'm like, I already know. You do see. Yeah, we need a ton. We need a ton of. Oh. She may, she may have, um, the phone may have died. Uh-oh. <clears throat> it was going well. You'll have to. Oh. That's not our Wi-Fi. Oh, there she is. Hello? You there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Did we lose hello, you? Hello, hello. We lost you for right, a sec. We're back. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Because we were But just I panicking. just like that. For me, that's why management has been, a, is, is been um, that's, again, I want them to go find me the jobs that I don't have, yeah. right? Like, almost like an agent, you know what I mean? Like, go out there, find me things that, like, I normally wouldn't do. You know, go get a sponsor. Like, let me deal with the fighting. That's my baby. Yeah. That's my life. That's that's what I've been working my whole life for. I don't need you to manage that. I've done a yeah. fine job so far. The problem with, I think now that we've evolved, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them, I'm going to applaud the UFC. I'm also going to hurt them a little bit by saying this, but is it has put more pressure on the managers to go out and do exactly what you're talking about. Go get me something outside of MMA. Get me a movie deal. Get me a commercial. Get me something that I can rep outside of the UFC. It can't rep Reebok because they already own the rights to that. Like, you know, the, the two of them are mm -hmm. mutually exclusive. Yeah, but Sa that's only on fight week. Yes, it is. That's only on fight week, which is fine, right? Like, what do you think the NFL and NBA guys do? Like, they have other deals outside of it, yeah. right? Like... Of course, the presence of what the league gets, you know, the league, meaning the USC, the yeah. NFL, all those guys get, like, that's what they get. Like, it works for these other guys. You yeah. have to go sell us properly, right? And it's up to me to do my job in the UFC, right? Mm -hmm. And as I'm winning and I'm doing these things, these companies are going to want to work with me, you know? So I think that it's it's kind of, you know, it's, it's what sports were like before the UFC, you know, mm. got the Reebok deal. I mean, we were lucky enough for the years that we, you and I started that 
shoot, I would make $25,000 on a sponsorships because I had patch here, patch, 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 yeah. right? It's great. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like, but it didn't help our sport in that way. I feel like people legitimize the sport by like those kinds of things, like the Reebok deal, a uniform sport, yeah. so to speak, right? Like the NFL, NBA and stuff like that. So I do think it's helped in some ways, right? Like in that aspect as of like the normal regular people like who don't really know much about the sport think like oh it's a uniform sport it's you know it's great yeah that I makes think, sense no no it, may, it, may, it makes perfect sense i just think that what it's caused is caused the managers to think outside the box and having to go and do something because when you said it was patch 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 here right but guess what it was all mma companies it was like sprawl it was affliction it was you know mm -hmm. it was tap out it was all just nothing but mma companies all what they did was they just shopped it to all the mma companies you notice we didn't have toyo tires we didn't have you know all these other companies coming in because the managers were afraid to go and talk to them because they were like oh i'm just i have my one fighter and it they were it was almost like they were afraid to go out there and try and sell we never got things that were outside the box you know i didn't see yeah, us things like one of my biggest supporters from the time i was an amateur and probably until like midway through my ufc um career was chico stick Atkinson what? Candy Company, they made like, um, it's like the inside of a Butterfinger, but um, without the chocolate on it. It's like a little Chico stick. It's oh, wow. I got to eat I love Butterfingers. I love, but if they're yeah, like that, I might, like, I might so love like, them. It's really good. It's really good. So you can add the chocolate if you want to. But they were one of my biggest sponsors, man. They, they, I found them randomly because my friends worked for a marketing candy company, but yeah. like they were my people, right? Like they were completely different. Like Chico stick was like when we would see that they're like, What's a Chico stick? And I'd be like, my punches are packed full of peanut power. <laughs> I pull so it up. It outside the box. And that was because I would, I, like, I had ran into those people. They wanted to sponsor me, but they were so cool. I mean, my first UFC fight, yeah. um, UFC 166, they probably gave out 30,000 pieces of candy wow. to the entire, anybody oh, nice. who was in line for that weigh-in for that time, everybody got a bag of candy. Nice. Yeah, we're Why looking them up right now. I can like that. Like that's I. That's what I want managers to still do now. And even like with Bellator, like I like that I'm seeing new things even too for you guys. Like on that side, like you get to see like the new sponsors, right? Like think outside the box, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be always the same five recycled, you know, MMA companies. This is the though that this is the other thing. Managers need to put the athlete in front of these people because it's not the manager that's going to sell it. Like you just said, oh, I ran into them, I talked to them, but guess what? They fall in love with the athletes being the athlete being in front of them. They fall in love with you and they want to work with you because they like who you are. That's the problem, I think, is that managers, if you want to start getting your guys bigger sponsors or getting to know, get them into movie roles, get them on red carpets more, get them more involved in, in other things outside of just MMA. Like, don't let them just sit at home when they're not fighting. Get them out in front of the public eye. Get them, get them more things, whether it's... Um, like movie releases or red carpet walks down, you know, whatever it is, uh, fit expos, what all around. There's the fit expo in LA. There's there's the Arnold. There's the Mr. Olympia. Get them to all yeah. these places where nutrition companies are, where fitness companies are, where people like that the design and develop equipment is. All these athletes can use kettlebells, Bulgarian bags. Why why can't you get them involved with them? Say hey, sponsor me, even if it's only a couple thousand dollars, whatever. I'll rep your brand and do workouts and show videos. You got to yeah. do that shit anyways. As a manager, just be, totally in, agree. just be in the gym, you know, with your strength and conditioning. Hey, we're going to use the Bulgarian bag today because I need to film her doing this for a couple, you know, for a good, you know, 15, 20 reps and we'll send it off. And guess what? You've made your money. But yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And I like things like that that are like completely outside the box. I like when you see fighters that are doing things that are completely different, right? Yeah. Like, again, like I was doing like Chico stick, like when you see someone's like completely in the sport, but then off the sport too, yeah. right? Like I'm so shocked Rogue hasn't got involved with us enough. You know what I mean? I know that they've worked with, uh, was it Schneider, right? They were working with him, yeah. but they're from Ohio and it's like, I haven't got to see them enough involved in MMA. I would love to see them involved in it, right? Cause they have a lot of great stuff, right? Like they're, they're another one of them, right? Yeah, like I think I think like what like almost outside the box, but like inside the box. But I think what of them though is that they've already got a product that they know that sells. That's they know that they don't need to do a whole lot of sponsorship 
with people, but I do understand like they they also have done a lot of stuff for Joe Rogan, and Rogan obviously just talks about it, and that brings more recognition. So they don't really mm-hmm. want to go outside of. They can know that they can just send more. They can send more stuff to Joe, and Joe will talk about it, and then that gives them all the advertisement they need for the year. You know <laughs> that guy. Oh yeah, no, you're right. It's you're crazy. Totally right. You're totally right. So. All right. Well, anyways, back to Valentina real quick, and then uh, we're gonna wrap this up so we can you get some rest and get onto your training. Um, so, so tell me, threats, worries, concerns, anything she does that really bothers or concerns you, or anything that you think you can exploit without giving me your full game plan. Obviously, uh, you know. No, um, you know. I mean, look. There's again, there's no secrets in this sport. Yeah. Like we all have a style, right? Every fighter has a style. And I think that that's something that I'm trying to not to identify myself with anymore, right? Like, like everyone does have their style. I'm trying to mix up my style, right? I want to be able to plug and play by the second. If I'm the wrestler, I'm the striker, I'm the kickboxer. I want to be good at everything. I think that that's something that I have over her, right? And I said that in an interview and there was like, oh, she thinks she's better than you. I never said that. Yeah. Um, I, however, did say that I felt like I was able to plug and play different facets of the game better than she does, right? Which makes it seem like it's an insult, but it's not. She's a kickboxer. That's mm-hmm. what she was. I was just a boxer for years, for mm-hmm. many, many years. And then like, all right, well, Jessica, you know, has got a good boxing and a good kicking style. And then I went, the last three fights, all I've talked about was wrestling. So now, not only am I a striker, I'm a wrestler and I'm a kickboxer. So I think my abilities to go into this, this type of fight is how to implicate the right game plan to beat her kicking, right? Because that's what she likes to do. Most fighters are are bad about this. We like to do the one thing that we like the most and mm. not what we're not good at, right? Like, so we like, say we're a great striker. Like we want to do all of our striking stuff first and then we'll do the stuff we're not good at, right? I went, I'm not good at wrestling. I'm going to wrestle, wrestle, wrestle to where wrestling becomes my number one. And then my number one, you know, is my striking. They're both even levels, right? So... And then going into this game plan is just the ability to be a full martial artist better than her in that way. So if she's kicking me, right, and I'm and I'm not able to get inside, then I better switch up the game plan and be a better kicker than her. Then the like she's kicking me with most, I better shut it down and kick it back, right? If she's stuffing takedowns, then I better faint better, right? Like if that I I feel like I have the better ability mm-hmm. to go into the fight with that kind of mindset. And I know I'm stronger than her. I just, I, I, I know I am. So we, I know, I know I have that, and I'm stronger with my heart because life has done things to me that I feel hasn't done to her. But I also feel like also my, uh, my actual strength, my ability to grab somebody is, uh, is really good. If Grace says you're strong, you must be pretty damn strong. <laughs> well, he goes, he goes, you're strong as fuck. Right? Like so, you get that face. So I was like. He literally goes, I want to see if you're just as strong when you cut weight. And I go, oh, I will be. I get yeah. stronger. He's so, he's amazing, man. Um, the, uh, what was I going to ask you? There was something I was going to ask you. Ah, forgot it. But I definitely feel like everybody, I'm I'm the underdog like crazy. Like the, the odds and stuff just came out this week um, and all that. Like I'm the underdog because I've lost fights before, right? So how could anybody what ever thoughts? believe a loser could ever win again, right? What, like, what are the odds? I'm just always, I'm always like, everyone's like, oh, you're only as good as your last fight. I'm constantly put down. They're like, oh, you lost at Bantamweight. I've lost one fight at Flyweight in all the years I've ever fought at Flyweight. One. One fight. And in that fight, I've lost to Aisling Daly. And before that fight, two weeks before that fight, I had the worst concussion of my life. And that was the one time in a fight I lost my, like, mental connection, right? And this is in the early years. We're talking back before I even signed with Bellator, right? Like, so I, I think that... I'm I'm only judged based upon my beginning part of my career, right? Like I failed for marijuana. So like, oh, she must be a burnout. She must be a bad girl. Then she lost four fights straight by decision to an Olympian, to the winner of tough, <laughs> to the previous strike force chance, to the previous UFC champ. Like decisions. I took all those girls' decisions. Not one submitted me. Not one broke skin on me. Like I get no respect that way. So like, <laughs> like Valentina gets like all of it. So like, I feel like the best part going into the sport is nobody expects me to do anything. I'm looked as like, all eyes are off me. All eyes are on her to, you know, beat my, to beat me, to do all these things to me that there's really no pressure going into this fight. I'm having fun. I'm smiling again. And 
again, like it, it's going to make her out of her element more than is mine because I've always been counted out. It's yeah. been my life story. Like it's, it's something I've kind of just finally, you know, at the age of 32, finally was like, you know what? It is what it is. Like I'm, instead of feeling bad about it, I've embraced it. And now I've won three fights in a row. The underdogs always seem that there's no pressure on, on it, on you when you go in, just go in there, do the best you can. And, and guess what? Nine times out of 10, you, you can end up pulling it off. You know, I said, I said it too. Like, cause the first fight with, when I fought Gilbert Lennon, I was a four to one underdog and it felt good to know that people were counting me out, you know? And when you go in there, you know, going with a smile, you just go in knowing like, you know what? I'm, I'm happy to be here. My camp was well, you know, I'm sure your camp's going to be amazing. You got a good team around you. I'm happy for you, girl. I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely awesome. Like, I hope I can, in all of this, just inspire the world for different things, right? Like, outside of just MMA, like, man, like, every, like, when you're feeling like a loser, remember, you're going to be a winner one day. And yeah. I, I really want to help the losers and the people that feel low and feel like things are really never going to turn around that within a second. And in 11 months, I changed my life. I went from being almost cut to winning three fights in 11 months. Yeah. And now I'm living in Vegas and, and I live with a pool in my backyard <laughs> and I'm getting to do really great interviews with, you know, good guys like you. Like, so now people are kind of paying attention to me. So it's kind of like, good job, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you stuck to it. <laughs> hey, I want to tip my hat to you. Good luck in your camp. Stay healthy. Okay. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on. Jessica, I thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I truly appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Good luck, hon. Bye. Bye.